Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find my work, ScoutFantasySports.com, as we'll get you set for fantasy baseball. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the top high-stakes players around. I got my articles up there as well. The latest one looking at Charlie Morton and his value now that he's with the Rays. Enter the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. Speaking of top high-stakes players, one joins me now. It is Vlad Sedler. You can find him at Fantasy Guru. Vlad, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Adam? Always good to talk to you, brother. Definitely, man, and uh, I know that you are a Dodgers guy, so we got news today with A.J. Pollock signing with the Dodgers, so what are your thoughts about Pollock coming to L.A. and his fantasy value now? You know, the, the, the thing with Pollock always, always comes down to his health. I mean, you're just looking back at several of the previous seasons and noticing how many times, I mean, the guy's even uh, basically getting over 120 games played, so it's always the concern, but the way that the Dodgers and uh, Dave Roberts may manage him, I think, may include, uh, you know, a day or two off per week and really mixing, matching uh, with, the line, um, you know, with the lineup there. Uh, Jock Peterson will be on his way out. And so I do think Pollock is a good fit. Uh, as far as ADP, I think he's pretty much priced, I think, you know, where he should be. I'm probably going to see a little bit of helium from him in the next uh, couple of weeks in drafts. But um, outside of that, I think, um, you know, uh, looking forward to it as a Dodger fan for sure. Yeah, and you're right, and I said this earlier, when those players that haven't signed yet, when you look at their NFBC ADP, they're going to be low. And then once they sign, you'll see an uptick, especially if it's a favorable spot. I think just people are hesitant to click on a player where they don't know their home's going to be, and we've already seen it. Nelson Cruz and Daniel Murphy, if you look at their ADPs before they sign compared to now, you've seen them uptick quite a bit. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, you know, right before Cruz's signing, he was going well outside of the top 100. Um, now, Which is stupid. Uh, yeah, it, it's stupid kind of, it, even without knowing where he's going and what he's done over the last several years. And Daniel Murphy, man, the helium on that guy is amazing. Um, you know, and I guess at some point there could be a price where he is fully priced, but I don't think we're even there yet. I mean, I've seen him, you know, he went pretty high in the FSTA draft and um, I've seen him going in the 60s and 70s. I don't think that's a bad price for him at all. He's a guy that is essentially built for Coors. He's going to play first base because I have two positions of eligibility, and uh, he can absolutely do it all. Maybe won't hit 30 home runs, but a very good chance to perhaps lead the NL in batting average. Maybe you disagree with this, but I feel like I write this article every year on Nelson Cruz. I don't know what it is. I guess it's that people don't like locking up their utility spot early because we saw it with David Ortiz year after year. There's also the age factor. I understand Cruz is 38, but he really hasn't shown any signs of decline. I think a lot of people like to jump off before it sets in, 
But I feel like Cruz still gets undervalued. Is it the age utility spot or both? And how do you feel about locking up that utility spot early? To me, it doesn't bother me. No, it doesn't bother me at all. And I think it's uh, definitely an advantage. Um, you know, it's, it's a different story locking it up with a later round guy like a Kendrys Morales. But I think with Nelson Cruz and, you know, I'm with you. I've been doing it for years. I mean, every single year I was drafting Poppy. I was drafting David Ortiz, you know, right around where he goes. He, he's always, always a guy that even fell, uh, you know, in the ADP. And uh, I think Nelson Cruz is in a similar spot. We really haven't seen many signs. I mean, he, the guy isn't going to be hitting 290 anymore these days. But, uh, you know, as far as straight up home run and RBI production, no one's been better than him um, over the last five years. And so I understand he's, he's creeping up there on 40, but, uh, but I do think he's got another good year in him. And uh, I also think target field is a little bit of a sneaky hitter spark. Yes, definitely. That is the case. Talking of Vlad Seller, uh, he partnered with Charlie Wiegert as part of team CDM sports and the FSTA draft this past week on Tuesday. He also participates in a lot of high stakes leagues. I know you partner with Rob Silver, I believe in the platinum league for the NFBC. So you're familiar with these partnerships. So what makes it work so successfully? How does a successful partnership keep going? Uh, you know what? It's uh, and I've, I've had friends in the past who I partnered on teams with, and you know we've always still remained good friends. But uh, but but at the end of the day, um, you know you know guys like Silver, guys like Matt Modica, you know Charlie are guys that I've I've easily worked with, um, and it's the fact that we're on the same level in terms of our research and our efforts, and also an understanding of the player pool. And uh, just kind of have this um, un- unspoken understanding when we're when we're making selections, when we're doing fab pickups and bids uh, during the course of the year. Um, but you know, there's there's always certain things we're always playing to to one another's strengths. Like perhaps you know I'm really good with late round pitching, or you know my partner is uh, you know good in draft or whatever it is. We really try to accentuate those those strengths and use it to our advantage. Um, and at the end of the day, try to never take it personally. At the end, it's fun. Um, understood there's a lot of money at the, at the end of the line, but we're putting a lot of time and effort into it, and, and for the most part, it ends up paying off. You had the seventh pick in the draft, and you went Trey Turner at, right after Nolan Arenado, Altuve, Yelich, J.D. Martinez. I think you can make a case for a lot of those guys. When you had the seventh pick, was Turner the target? Were you hoping he would be there? And how close was it compared to some of the guys that you passed on? So it was interesting. We were, uh, you know, we're picking seventh, and we're almost certain that Greg and Tom of NFDC were we're going to take Yelich there at number six. We thought we had a very good shot at Scherzer, and so we sort of uh, pre-planned the first few rounds of the draft. And it's just yet another lesson that you never can really pre-plan everything and or anything, and you'd always have a plan B and C. We originally wanted to get a Scherzer uh, in the first round there, uh, grab a big hitter like a Stanton, Story Judge, someone like that in the second. And then another pitcher, basically go big pitching early, you know, two pitchers, and then kind of, you know, wait a little bit on that. Our plans were completely thrown off. And so we're staring there, looking at guys like J.D. Martinez, who I think is obviously always a great choice, but just doesn't offer, you know, doesn't give you the stolen bases, which I think is a, you know, scarce commodity these days. And Trey Turner just fit the bill. He's somebody that uh, he could hit 300. Um, he even more likely is going to steal 50 bases and score 100 runs and uh, just felt like a really solid pick. Um, I understand there's always a certain percentage, you know, like a 40% bust rate, um, you know, or not earning value in the first round. And, and Turner may be one of those guys uh, that that happens to, but that would only be injury-based. If he's playing, uh, if he's got 150 games under his belt, I think we're going to see surefire first-round numbers from him. 
now we know he's very efficient on the base pass. I think people saw what he did two years ago and said, wow, this guy could steal 60 or 70. It didn't happen. You think part of that was sometimes hitting in front of Bryce Harper and they didn't want him to be as aggressive. And if Harper doesn't return, then maybe we do see a, a little bit of an increase in the steals. Yeah, I absolutely think we can see that. Um, as of right now, I'm, I'm, you know, I would, I would have loved to see him sign with the Dodgers, but I think uh, Pollock may be uh, kind of uh, sign, uh, making that not a possibility for us. And so I can easily see him returning uh, there to Washington and, and perhaps still being, you know, aggressive enough to uh, to, to swipe his 50, but uh, maybe not get up there in the range that he's absolutely capable uh, that you alluded to in, uh, from two years ago. Talking of Vlad Sadler, fantasy guru going over the FST address. So it sounded like you were intent on Scherzer. We're seeing, we've always seen the pitching go pretty early in the NFBC. It's going a little bit higher now. And even in an industry league like this, FSTA, you're seeing more pitchers go. How important is it to take a pitcher early? And it seems like you don't mind taking one in the first round where I think a lot of people wouldn't do that. So what is it about a guy like Max Scherzer in pitching that we need to really harp on it a little bit more than maybe in the past? I mean, I think every year it's a different situation, but, um, you know, obviously we have to um, tailor our approach a little bit differently here in these expert leagues as opposed to NFBC because in NFBC, you know, you're playing with uh, an overall prize in mind. You're looking to hit 100, 150 grand, and so you're looking for high upside picks to beat a few beat a field of 500, to beat a field of 2,000. Um, no, this is a little bit different. I mean, trades are allowed in this league. Uh, traditionally, the FSTA leagues have been um, – you know, a little bit slower to adapt uh, to the pitching. Uh, the, you know, the experts usually wait on those. Uh, I think we saw that with Ray Flowers' team. I mean, he waited until the fifth round to grab his first pitcher at Berrios and then kind of hit it hard with Hendricks, Hamels, and Nicholas. Um, but, you know, this year, it, it's a little different. I mean, you're looking at a second round that basically had, you know, you had your three top guys in the first round taken and then five in the second. And then the third round was essentially all pitchers. And so, you know, people are adapting to this. You sort of know that. And I understand it's good to some, you know, sometimes zig when others zag, but I thought that our approach of, you know, grabbing two starting pitchers in our first three picks was a solid one. Just the way that the way the draft lays out this season with a lot of good hitters in the second round and the fact that, you know, from, say, rounds four through ten, there are a lot of other good hitters that we would like to target that we think could return, you know, third round, second round value. You took Giancarlo Stanton in the second round, a guy that we saw go in the first round consistently last year. And his first year with the Yankees wasn't bad. Maybe people wanted more, batted 266, 38, 100. I mean, there's a chance he can better those numbers this year, right? I mean, there's always that adjustment period in New York. Uh, Stanton is a guy that you can bank on the power if he stays healthy. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what we saw last year. I mean, it really took him a while to get going over there. Um, the guy's not yet 30. Um, you know, we saw that season last year where he, you know, I mean, he dropped down from 59 to th the 38 homers. Um, and uh, it, it, the one thing that we saw in that monster season with the Marlins is, you know, he had a, a strikeout rate around 23%, where his career rate's a little closer to 28, 29. So we saw those strikeouts come back up. But, you know, I do, even though Judge is younger, I do think that huge home run season from Judge was a little bit of an outlier um, you know, I really like Stanton, you know, he, he's somebody I'd probably place a bet on to, um, you know, to, to, to lead, lead the AL in home runs this year. I can see him hit 50 again uh, and having a really nice season. So in that second round, I think Stanton is an absolutely perfect, beautiful pick. Uh, so we're happy he fell to us. 
One of the players I think that's real interesting right now, and he's going to be, I think, a big topic of discussion over the next couple months leading up to drafts and marches, Alberto Mondesi. Uh, I'm in a NFBC draft champions where he went 28th overall. Obviously here, you get him a little bit cheaper, middle of the fourth round. Is he someone that you're going to reach for because you really believe in, or does it depend on the price and you for- thought this was the appropriate value? What can we expect of him this year? Because, you know, people will always prorate what the guy did over the last couple months, and we know that doesn't work out a lot of the times. But what do you like in Mondesi? I mean, so, you know, with with, uh, with Charlie and I, what we did in that draft, it was really kind of a double downing on stolen bases and the fact that he fell to a spot where we thought he was worth taking and we preferred him over the alternative options. Um, I don't know if Mondesi is someone I'm going to go out of my way for in drafts. Like, I'm very unlikely going to reach for him in the third round uh, in most drafts. I thought the fourth round was a very good spot. I think a lot of people will always point to the fact that, hey, he is somebody that um, is probably not going to repeat that 276 average he hit in half a season last year. Um, you know, he's like a 3 4% walk rate kind of guy. Um and had a very high, um, you know, stolen base opportunity rate last year. And so um, you can't exactly extrapolate and say, hey, he's going to swipe 60. But I think 40 is an uh, absolute possibility. I think, you know, they've got uh, Hamilton and Merrifield. They have, you know, you know, three guys there that can literally be among the top five stolen base leaders. I think they're going to be able to and be allowed to run wild. And the thing about him is he's not a D. Gordon type where he's not going to give you any power whatsoever. He does have a little oomph in his bat, and I do think – 13 to 17 home runs, I don't think is, is out of their own possibility. I mean, after all, he hit 14 in only 75 games last year. So, um, you know, I think there's the answer always lies somewhere in the middle. He's a very polarizing guy. You have people who absolutely abhor him, other people that absolutely love him and will take him like late second. I'm kind of in the camp of in the middle where if he's uh, falls to me at the right spot at a good value, I'll absolutely jump because he's somebody that for an NFBC type format, it's got a real lot of upside in the fifth round you took Blake Trinan I had him on a lot of teams last year I just liked what I saw when he went to Oakland in the second half his stuff is nasty he obviously exceeded even my most optimistic expectations with the numbers he put up it was just sick I love watching him pitch too whenever the A's were on in the west coast late I saw Trinan in the game I'd always switch to that game because I like watching him pitch Uh, how important was it for you to take a closer here this early or was it a case of you didn't like anything else on the board. Uh, you know, how important was it to get a closer early here? I mean, it's, it, it, the early closer is not something I'm necessarily, um, you know, a big fan of or, or what I'm going to approach this year. I'd rather grab some of the middle, you know, values, at least in my, in my high stakes leagues later in March. I think, you know, the group with guys like maybe start with a hand or Osuna, you know, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of guys later that I like, um, you know, even Ken Giles, I think in the, in the middle round, sort of in the middle round of, of value there, I think is a, is a good pick. Um, this was just a case of, we were looking for an ideal, like when our plan was thrown off and we were looking for an ideal starting, uh, pitcher number two, um, one just wasn't there. Paxson had just gone. Corbin had just gone two guys that we were considering and didn't really like any of the hitters there. So we had to pivot a little bit. Staring at Trinan and Edwin Diaz, I think, was a very tough situation. At the end of the day, um, you know, Charlie, the godfather, just uh, he preferred Trinan. Um, like um, the stability that he has. I mean, the guy's a, is a witch pretty much. Really an amazing pitcher. A very good shot at being the number one closer this year, um, despite maybe not having the highest K rate uh, like a Diaz. But we just kind of felt safer grabbing Trinan there and then sort of working our way um, 
you know, grabbing a solid guy where we didn't have to rush to get a second closer yet. You just took Nick Pavetta in round 11. I feel like five years ago, this is a guy you can get in the 20-plus round, but with so much information out there right now, Pavetta's moving up. Uh, do you feel that way as well? Yes, I do. And he's somebody that I had to um, really lobby Charlie for. Um, we wanted to go closer, and LeClerc had just gone. There were other closing options that uh, just didn't seem right for us at the time. But, um, you know, this is a guy with a, uh, you know, 27% strikeout rate last year, made some really good strides and improvements, um, you know, walks per nine under three. Um, and somebody that I feel like with, a, with some good run support there, a really good lineup, a solid defense, um, I think he can take it into the next level, um, sort of like uh, we saw Mike Fulton-Evitz do. Somebody uh, w- w- with a similar skill set, although Fulton throws a little harder, um, you know, Pavetta, you know, 25 years old, a big guy, um, just, you know, playing on a good team, I think, this year, uh, especially if they can sign Harper. And uh, for me, an 11th-round pick, I think, for uh, as a starting pitcher four, I think is a good gamble there. Um, and just kind of hoping for the best with him. That is Vlad Sedler. You can find him, fantasy guru, also participating in a lot of high-stakes leagues and doing well. Vlad, thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Always good to talk to you, Adam. Take care, bud. When we return, we'll talk some NBA. I'll be joined by Frank Stample from FNTSY. We'll talk about James Harden and the Oladipo news. Who benefits? We'll let you know next right here at Scout Fantasy Sports on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. One of the Saints cornerbacks, P.J. Williams, was just arrested for uh, DWI. Congratulations. When you put it all together here, it's like, guys, you're melting. you got a congressman. You've got fans. You've got billboards. Yeah. It's like, come on already. Because everybody outside of New Orleans, yeah, we don't know. Now it's time to move on because now you're going to start to sound like a drama queen. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. 
Sign up now. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months as we're helping you dominate fantasy baseball. In-depth team profiles from Sean Childs. And I have a ton of looks at players changing team and what it means for their fantasy value. The latest one up is a look at Charlie Morton now that he's going to Tampa Bay. But time now to talk some more NBA. And I bring in my guy, Frank Stamfel from FNTSY. Frank, what's up? Ronis, what's going on, buddy? How's everything going? Good, man. Just enjoying the NBA. You know, a lot of people criticize the NBA and Golden State's going to win and there's no drama. To me, there's great games every night. I mean, last night was another good night. You know, the Brooklyn game towards the end, even the Knicks and James Harden at the Garden. I just feel like there's so many fun players to watch in the NBA right now. Yeah, and that's what makes the regular season so great for the season-long product for fantasy and obviously for DFS, right? Like, when it comes down to it, if you look at it from, like, a macro perspective, the Golden State Warriors are probably going to win again. But, but, I mean, we don't have to worry about that now. It's not like we're in the NBA playoffs. But you're right. I mean, there are some great matchups. Like, last night, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, the, uh, James Harden in the Garden. How about that Jazz and, and uh, Nuggets game, too? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a chippy game, too. And, and you know, that was, uh, that was a great one as well. Yeah, no, nah, I feel like there's pretty much great games and individual talent to watch every night, of course. DFS makes it easier to watch. I pretty much try and play every single day. And, you know, James Harden, I mean, what more can we say about this guy? You know, like, I had some people telling me on Twitter yesterday he's a ball hog, this and that. I'm like, yeah, he shot 17 of 38 from the field. His Hall of Fame teammates were 20 of 52. Who do you want taking shots on this team? And the thing that stands out about Harden right now is – He needs to do this in order for his team to win games. They are just so deficient. It looks like Chris Paul could return on Friday. But this is just an insane run for Harden right now with what he's doing. I know he's taking a lot of threes, but did we forget the performance he had against Golden State and the shot that he hit? Like This is an amazing run right now, and I feel like some people are trying to diminish it. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, there were some there were some Nick fans on Twitter last night talking about how, you know, we used to crucify Carmelo Anthony for doing things like this, but when you look at it from that perspective, that just makes you realize how much better James Harden is than what Carmelo Anthony was, right? Because if it were up to Melo, he would have done things like this every single night, but he wasn't good enough to do this. I mean, over the last five games, Ronis, it's just ridiculous. He's averaging 52 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, and a block per game. During the last five games, over the past month, 44.5 points per game, uh, 8.3 rebounds, 7.9 assists, 2.1 steals. You know, people want to talk about, oh, well, you know, he's been a ball hog. He's, he's first in the league in scoring right now. He's also third in the league in assists. He's also third in the league in steals. So if you want to look at the, the entirety of what he's done this year, he is doing it on both ends of the court. And he made a sick pass last night. I forgot who it was to. Was it to Gerald Green where he was driving to the basket? And he whipped it with his left hand for an open three. I don't remember if it was green or not, but he is passing the ball. There are times he does four shots. But again, when you look at this team and the way it's constructed right now, who do you want taking shots besides exactly. Eric Gordon? They, they like, right? I mean, read. Like, do you, like, I know. The guy's bra- <laughs> I'm with you. I'm who do you like, want? Exactly. It's like Gerald Green. I think Gerald Green the other day took like 15 three-point attempts. Gerald Green. What are we doing here, Ronis? Yeah, they had the game, was it against the Nets, where they took 62 threes to set the NBA record, which I'm sure they'll probably break any day now again, but that's what gets me. It's like, I know those people are not watching basketball. They're just seeing the stats put out on Twitter, and they're just, oh, yeah, he's a ball hawk. Okay, watch the games. Now, the one concern I have, and this is more long-term, because you know how it is in the NBA. Everyone's going to say, well, you got to win a championship. What have his teams done? 
And we've seen it, I think, the last couple of years. He has to do so much right now, and he's expending so much energy. What is he going to have left in the playoffs? And obviously, he has to go through Golden State. And I think they might have beaten him last year if Chris Paul plays game six or seven. I think they would have had a shot, and obviously, that would have put him in another level, especially if they would have went on and win the championship. But there has to be concern. What is he going to have left in the playoffs? Yeah, I think, I think that's a good question as well. Uh, you know, how is his output going to be once Chris Paul returns as well? I think that's a question that we have to start to, you know, think about as well because he's not going to be taking this many shots. He's not going to have this kind of usage rate once Chris Paul returns. But I'm with you. It's like in the playoffs last year, you know, I've been critical of James Harden in the past because I feel like in the playoffs or in crunch time at times, and I know he had that big shot against the Warriors and that was awesome, but in the playoffs to me, it seems like there have been times where like, he kind of fades a little bit. Like, he doesn't try and take over games the way that he should when a team needs him most. Because Ronis, you know, if if he were to do what he's doing right now or even try to do what he's doing right now last year in game six or seven when Chris Paul was injured, then maybe the Rockets would have made it to the championship. But as far as I remember, maybe it was fatigue. Maybe it was, you know, James Harden kind of, you know, taking a backseat a little bit uh, when they needed him most. But, you know, if he would have had performances like this when they need him most, then I think the Rockets would have been in the NBA Finals, no? Could be, but also it's tough when you're going against Golden State exactly. and everything that they have. Green to being a great defender. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it's just tough. So, I mean, there's we live in a world today where people hate on anybody that's good. So, you know, people are rooting on Golden State to lose. They hate this hearted thing. So... That's uh, the argument there. Last I saw, I think the FanDuel Sportsbook had him plus 250 to win MVP. Would you, how, how much would you put on that right now? Uh, plus 250, 500 bucks. Okay, seems, so you're pretty, pretty confident. It seems pretty safe, right? I would think so. I mean, I know some people are going to say Giannis, but look what Harden has done with this team. If you remember, I don't know if it was a month ago, but... They were second to last in the Western Conference at one point. Yeah, I have a pull-up right here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. James Harden, minus 250 to win the MVP. Giannis is I'm plus. I'm in minus 250. I'm yeah. sorry. I said plus two. It was minus 250. Giannis You're is right. plus 380. LeBron James is plus 1,400. And I've heard a few people throw around the LeBron James thing because it's one of those where, okay, you take him off the Lakers and you see how much he actually means to that team. Kind of like in football, like, you know, a couple of years, well, not even a couple of years ago, like a decade ago when Peyton Manning was off the Colts, like how bad that team was. So people want to make that argument for LeBron James, but I don't I don't no. think you could really go against like what James Harden is doing right now. Yeah, he's just carrying that team, and it's just uh, insane what he's doing right now. Uh, we also had the news today about Victor Oladipo with the season-ending injury with the uh, torn tendon there uh, in his knee. Who do you think benefits the most here for Indiana with Oladipo out? I think Tyreek Evans is the first man up, the first name that people will flock to. If you look at Yahoo's most added fantasy basketball players right now, Tyreek Evans is on top of that list. So I think he'll either plug into the starting lineup or you know he'll continue with his role as like the sixth man off the bench, but play a few more minutes. They obviously have to replace a lot of uh, a high-usage player in Victor Oladipo, a, a guy who had a 28% usage rate this year. So Tyreek Evans is the first name that comes to mind, but I think it will kind of be spread out amongst a couple of people. Like maybe Miles Turner takes a few more shots. Boyan Bogdanovich will take a few more. I know earlier on in the season, whenever – 
uh, Oladipo was out. Darren Collison saw an uptick in his DFS output. So those are some names that come to mind. Maybe in a deeper league, if you play in like 14-team leagues or deeper, Corey Joseph will probably get some more minutes here. But I would not rule out the possibility of the Indiana Pacers trying to make a trade at the deadline, maybe bring in another wing or a two-guard that can help them out. Uh, because if not, if you honestly think about it, like this is pretty much their season in a nutshell. If, if they don't go out and make a move, like, and, and realistically, they're probably not going to compete anyway. But, I mean, it's just without Oladipo, man. It sucks for them. No, it really does because, you know, I don't think anyone thought they would go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they were at least in the mix. But now you take Oladipo away and they're ways behind some of the top teams like Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. So it really hurts them, uh, that's for sure. Uh, we play in a league together and you picked up Okafor. Obviously, he's had two good games in a row. Six blocks yesterday. You also have Anthony Davis as well, who it looks like could be back in a week. Was that part of taking him was, okay, well, you know what? As long as Davis is out, he's going to play and put up numbers. Or do you think there could be some long-term value for Okafor? Yeah, this was a very tough decision. Obviously, Greg Sussman and myself, we split the team together. Uh, and then after waivers went through at 11 a.m., we were sitting down together. And I'm like, do you want the good news or the bad news? Because <laughs> the good news was we got Jaleel Okafor for $170 of our remaining, like, I think we had 450 left out of a $1,000 budget. But the next closest bid was 43 So we obviously— Oh, you could—wait a second. I didn't, you could see the closest bids? Yeah, so if you go to ESPN and you go to Recent Activity— uh, and then you'll see the transactions. You can click on auction report, and then you can see how much you bid and what the next closest bids were as well. But honestly, Ronis, don't even don't even use it because <laughs> it's, just gonna, it. <laughs> it's just going to make you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> well, look, we go through that with Fab like in almost every sport, right? Yeah. We we're, we're kind of guessing, but obviously, he kind of means more to you because we've heard conflicting reports on Anthony Davis, and the latest one was positive. It sounds more like a week, but it is Anthony Davis. That's exactly right. And, you know, I see the report about a fracture in his finger, and that just worries me a little bit. That doesn't sound like something that's one or two weeks away, you know? And exactly right. Like, it's Anthony Davis. This is a guy who I, know, I hear you uh, joke about it all the time. Maybe it's not a joke. Maybe it's real. You know, you joke about maybe he has girls in the locker room. He does. I'm telling you, there's <laughs> no other reason. Somebody cannot get that hurt that often. How many I, – I wish – I don't know if anyone keep track, and I wish I did. How many trips has he made to the locker room this year? It's got to be once every other game. That's there's exactly, something going on in there. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was wondering, you know, Ronis, maybe you'll start taking breaks in the middle of the show – and you'll kind of like just go to your bathroom and maybe you have something hidden in there. Maybe maybe some chocolate cake or something? Well, yeah. Hey, look. Uh, you know, my, my girlfriend, if she's here, she likes to be a distraction. She'll do it. So if you tell her that, you know, she'll do something. And you'll be like, wait a second. What happened? Why did they go to break in the middle of a segment? So, hey, if Anthony Davis can do it. Now, I don't have the salary that he does. So, you know, he, he can do those things. I don't, I don't know if I have that ability and luxury. So I guess I could try it one day and see what happens, right? Yeah, look, man, with Okafor, I think it's just, it's kind of like a handcuff situation, right? And it's weird to say, like, talk about handcuffs when it comes to fantasy basketball, but I think Anthony Davis is just kind of like a unique situation, right? And we've seen the past two games with Anthony Davis out that Jaleel Okafor has this upside to be a double-double player. And, you know, we play in this league head-to-head categories where one of the categories is double-doubles, and he had six blocks last night. Now, I'm not expecting huge defensive numbers from Jaleel Okafor, but it just seemed like one of those things where, like, okay, even though we overpaid to get Jaleel Okafor, and I would kind of give this advice to anybody else, if you're an Anthony Davis owner, I I think you also have to own Jaleel Okafor. Talking to Frank Stample, you hear him here on FNTSY. Now, I think you 
seemed a little hesitant to draft Anthony Davis this year with the number one overall pick. I think it all makes sense, and I think most people did. But because of what you're experiencing this year already with the trips to the locker room, and he didn't really miss any time outside of uh, this period here, will it dissuade you from taking him high next year? No. I think he should still be in the mix for the top three regardless, even with the injuries. And it looked like it was trending in the right direction, right, because the past two years before this year, he had played at least 75 games in two years straight. So uh, this year he's probably he's going to fall short of that. He'll probably be in that 60 to 65 games played range for this year. And, you know, that's closer to what he was doing earlier on in his career. But still, when he plays man on a per-game basis, just he doesn't hurt you anywhere. And if you look at what he's done actually this year in terms of elevating his game to that next level, he's averaging 4.4 assists per game, Ronis, as a center. Uh, that's very useful because he's actually learning now how to pass out of double teams. You know, when, pe- when teams are sending more defensive attention his way, he's, he's making the right read and he's passing out of double teams and they're turning into assists. He doesn't hurt you anywhere. I mean, 2.6 blocks, nearly two steals per game, career high 13.3 rebounds this year. So it sucks that, you know, this happens with him. It seems like every single year, but I think that's why, you know, we play with the waiver wire and, you know, maybe it's just every year you got to own like the next man up behind Anthony Davis uh, just because you know what that injury risk is. But on a per-game basis, I mean, his upside is just too great. I still think, uh, regardless of this injury, he's he's a top three, definitely top five player heading into next year still. Yeah, when he plays, he just puts up sick numbers. And we know that in DFS because we're constantly paying up for him. But we always have that thought in the back of our head. Uh, hopefully he doesn't go to the locker room and sit out tonight. And it's amazing. Like uh, He's come back in almost every game this year. Every, almost every time he goes to the locker room, he comes back to the game. So uh, he's been fortunate to return a lot of his DFS value, and now we don't have to worry about it. He's not playing, so you don't have that problem of putting him in. But people had a problem yesterday because Enos Cantor was someone that I think people were looking at in DFS. I know during this show we discussed him. There's always a ton of options at center. I had four lineups yesterday. I had him in one. Once I saw he wasn't starting, I removed him because we heard earlier in the day that Fisdale told him he was going to start. And I thought maybe there's a chance they go small against Houston because of the matchup. But once he was out of the starting lineup, I took him out. I know a lot of other people didn't, and maybe it's because they set their lineup and left. But this is a problem right now, whether you own Enos Cantor in season long or you're looking to play him in DFS. I think this is a situation you have to avoid right now because the Knicks are clearly tanking and uh, Cantor's not happy. Maybe he gets moved, but... This is a real problem right now for those with Enos Cantor. Yeah, and it's been a problem with the Knicks all season long, too, Ronis. I know you play DFS a lot, and the Knicks rotation is just constantly changing, right? It reminds me of, you know, in years past, it was Brad Stevens with the Celtics. It felt like he was constantly changing up rotations, trying to figure out who he was going to use uh, on his wings on a nightly basis, and it was very frustrating for DFS purposes. Same thing goes for the New York Knicks, man. It seems like on any given night, they're kind of just going to ride the hot hand. Like last night, for example, Alonzo Trier, 31 points and 10 rebounds. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, the next game, he can only play, he might be playing 15 minutes. So it's very hard to predict the Knicks rotation right now but I will say this I thought it was a little bit messed up yesterday what came out uh, before the game originally they said in the morning yesterday Fizdale told Cantor that he was going to start last night and then before the game like you mentioned they said all right he's not going to start but he's going to play coming off the bench then it turns out first DNPCD of the season for Anus Cantor so I understand his frustration it's pretty messed up but if you look at it from the Knicks perspective and their front office and their coaching what they're trying to do they want to play their young guys. I mean, there's no secret about that. They want to play Mitchell Robinson. They want to play Noah Vonley. Uh, I, I still do think 
they should be playing Ennis Cantor so that they can build up his trade values and move him at the deadline. Like, if they're not playing him right now, they're kind of, like, costing themselves leverage if they wanted to try and trade him. But it's no secret that this team wants to play their young players. So I understand Ennis Cantor's frustration. I think with the Knicks right now and both season long and DFS, it's kind of like, stay away, man. Like, Alonzo Trier, maybe you pick him up in a deeper league, but don't really want to have much to do with the Knicks uh, from a season long or DFS perspective. Yeah, I put in a bid for Trier, not much. I did get Mitchell Robinson for cheap. Yeah, but I was going to uh, ask you about that. How do you feel about Mitchell Robinson? Well, I had him earlier in the year. I picked him. I actually spent a decent amount early in the year because I thought they were going to play him quite a bit. But he just fouls so much. But they're going to play him. He can get some blocks. But, you know, I know that I'm not going to get big minutes. You know, the blocks help, though. You know, he had three blocks in 17 minutes last night. So it was just a case of, all right, they're probably going to go young and play some of these young guys, so let me take a shot. I'm not expecting big things. Dealing with some injuries right now. I guess I should have traded Danilo Gallinari <laughs> before he got hurt. But the problem is, say I offer you Gallinari. You know his injury history. What are you giving him? What, what are you giving up for him? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I saw yesterday I was looking at your team because I don't know if you're a trade candidate or not, but uh, we have a bunch of point guards. We're currently looking to get a forward. And I was looking at your team. I saw that he was on the IR. I was like, oh, you know, it's just classic Danilo Gallinari. But you're right. I mean, he's always hurt. But when he was on the court this year, he was, he was great. actually helping you immensely. So, I mean, you take the good with the bad, right? I should have probably sent out some trade offers, but I know. I'm like, well, then again, there's probably a couple morons in this league, as you can tell by looking at some of the records. <laughs> I, I, we'll give you DJ Augustine for him. Uh, for who? Gallo? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll I'm write it out with Gallo. Well, then again, now watch. Breaks today. He needs back surgery. He had back surgery, I think, back in like 2007 or something when he was young. So I should have known, though, right? Absolutely. All right, that is Frank Stample. You find him on FNTSY. Always good talking to you, man. Good luck the rest of the way, except in my league that we're in together. <laughs> Appreciate you having me on, Ronis. All right, Frank Stample again. You hear him often here on the channel, FNTSY. When we return, we'll take a look at the FSTA draft. I'm going to talk the about Mammoth a couple. Park Sportsbook by William Hill is New Jersey's local, trusted sportsbook featuring a Vegas-style betting menu of parlays, props, and much more. Watch every game on their new 75-foot HD video wall. Already a trusted name in entertainment, Mammoth Park is now your best bet for wagering on all the big games. So get in on the action. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one 800 Gambler. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-625-4922. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Fantasy football frenzy. 
Now it sounds like cooler heads can't prevail and Antonio Brown can return back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It has nothing to do with cooler heads. It's, it has everything to do with the fact that they're realizing they don't have the market for him to trade him that they thought they did. It's going to be hard to trade this guy and get what you want in return. Okay. They're going to want a lot. I mean, he is the best receiver in the league for the last six years. And, you know, you want a lot and you're probably not going to get that. I don't think anybody's really going to offer that. Weekdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. In case you're just joining us, you have tuned into the new time slot for Scout Fantasy Sports. We now weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. If you can't listen live, no worries. You can always check it out on demand anytime you want. You can find my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as we're getting you set to dominate fantasy baseball. My latest article is a look at Charlie Morton. Moving to Tampa Bay, can he continue his success he had the last two years? I have looks at Jesus Aguiar. Can his breakout continue? How will Yasiel Puig fare now that he's in Cincinnati? And a lot more articles you can look at our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. Uh, click on the link on the main page. And in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. His latest is a look at the Houston Astros. He's already done the AL East and the AL Central. And you can get a free sample for those that are non-members and thinking about joining. Take a look at the Orioles and the Red Sox one, and then come join us. 50% off your first two months using the promo code BASS50. ScoutDFS.com, where we cover you for NBA, NHL, NFL, PGA. We have optimizers and the Slack chat leading up to lineup lock to help you make those critical decisions to win that money. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV. Or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. And if you need help trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to bet on? Well, I got the perfect answer for you. VegasWhispers.com. You can sign up now. Use the promo code RONUS50. Get 50% off your first month. They send out picks daily or almost every day as long as they have a pick that the Sharps are, are telling them is the right pick. There were three picks Posted last night, they were 2-1, and one, so they've been doing really well. There's going to be nights where you don't do as well, and that's part of sports betting. No one's ever going to be 91-100%, uh, but they do a good job where you're going to win more than you lose, and it's a long process. You stick with it. In the end, you will profit, so you can check them out, VegasWhispers.com. Follow on Twitter at VegasWhispers. A uh, couple minutes left here in the show, and I wanted to talk about real quick the roster construction, and uh, this is what I'm referring to uh, in fantasy baseball, looking at the FSTA draft. Uh, the USA Today sports team, they picked number two, Steve Gardner and Howard Kamen, and we're going to have Steve Gardner on the show tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern to discuss it. But this is where you have to understand what you have on your roster and how you build it. So they had the number two pick, and Mookie Betts, number two overall, which you're pretty much seeing in every draft. I have seen drafts where he goes number one. Aaron Nola in the two spot. So as I mentioned, for me at least, I want to try and get one of those aces in the first three rounds. 
takes Nola here, and Nola was outstanding last year. And I wrote a piece on Nola before the year saying he was a dark horse candidate to win the Cy Young Award. And you might say, well, that was easy. It really wasn't. I mean, think about it. Why would Nola be in the Cy Young contention? You know, the year before, he had a 3-5-4 ERA. He was 12-11 and 11 over 168 innings. And we had guys like Scherzer and Kershaw, DeGrom, Syndergaard. So he really wasn't in that conversation. Now, he was going... Anywhere from rounds four to six in drafts, if I remember correctly, last year. But my point was, you know, here's a guy that can really exceed expectations. Uh, and he was tremendous. And he was one of the finals. He went 17-6 and six with a 2-3-70 ERA, more than a strikeout per nine inning. And even in that ballpark, just kept the ball down. 17 home runs allowed only uh, 0.97 whip and a 50.6% ground ball rate. Rarely allowed hard contact. Just a, a really good pitcher who took it up. We saw a little bit of an uptick on the fastball velocity and with that good curve and changeup. So I thought he was a guy that would have a good year, and he did. So now you got to pay the price of the second round. Round three, Charlie Blackman. And he's a player that, not running as much, but you got course field, and he's still very good. I mean, this is a guy that we saw go in the first round of many drafts last year. He went like in the back half of the uh, first round. I know I got him in a league... On the turn, I think a 15-team league at 15-16, he was one of the guys I took on the turn. He's 32 years old, but he batted 291, 29 homers, 119 runs, 12 stolen bases. So again, not the level that we saw from years ago when he used to have 30-40, but 10-15 to 15 is fine when you got bets too, giving you potentially 30. Take the shot with Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the fourth round, and we've seen him go earlier. Joey Votto in round five, coming off a disappointing year in terms of power. And Corey Seager coming off an injury round six. So why I'm saying the roster construction here was good and why I think it was important is what they did with their 10th round pick. Joey Gallo in round 10. And you go, oh boy, he's going to kill your average. It's all about, is he a fit for your team? Now, in a lot of instances, you might not take Joey Gallo because you're worried about him draining your batting average. He's a guy that had 206 last year, 209 two years ago. And he did that over 500 at-bats last year, 449 the year before. It's a lot of at-bats to have that low average. Yes, there's power upside. Last year, 40 homers, 92 ribbies. The year before, 41 homers, 80 RBIs. So you're getting a lot of power, not much speed. He did steal seven two years ago last year, only three, and was caught four times. So you're not expecting many steals. And you're, you're wondering, okay, can we see an uptick in average? Even if he gets to 230, 240, that would be big. Well, he strikes out a ton. He does walk. So in OBP leagues, he's not as much of a killer. He was 312 last year, not great. 333 the year before, not as bad. It doesn't seem like it's going to change unless we see a drastic reduction in the strikeouts. He's also an extreme fly ball hitter. So that usually is going to lead to a lower batting average of balls in play. And... You know, because you could look at that and say, well, he's unlucky. Look at his bat of 250, 249. That's his baseline, though. His career number is 256. So remember, it's not universal. It depends on the individual player. So he he has that baseline of around 250. He hits a lot of fly balls. We have to worry about the shift. So average is definitely a volatile stat that, you know, just a couple more hits per week or one hit more per week. And maybe he does hit 230, 240, and it's not as bad. But the reason why it fits their team is look what they did early on. Look at the batting average that they have early. Mookie Betts, 
he's going to hit over 300. Maybe not the 330-340 he did last year, but you know he's going to have a high floor for batting average. Charlie Blackman, even if he's not over 300, you know, he's going to be close to 290. Vladimir Guerrero's the wild card, but, I mean, he's just smashed at every level. You think he comes up and hit. Joey Votto, maybe the power's not there, but he's got a high floor for batting average. Corey Seager, maybe two, anywhere from 270 to 290 for Seager. And Scooter Jeanette has hit well. So there's a high floor of batting average. Really nobody that's going to crush you. So the way this team is built, it allows you to absorb the low average of Joey Gallo and the power that he brings. Uh, so I like the roster constructed there. There's enough in steals. Again, bets. Blackman can give you some. Maybe Vlad runs a little. So not a ton, and I'm sure they'll look for more later. But that's my point about roster construction. Understanding what you already have on the roster and how to build off of that. It's very important. And I think you know some people will just select Gallo blindly, saying, oh, I got to get this 40 home runs. Well, what if you don't have a lot of good batting average on your team already? Unless you're going to punt that category, which... You don't want to. And head-to-head leagues, I think you can't punk categories. I've always said this. And in roto leagues, I don't want to do it. I just don't think it's wise because you're already putting yourself deficient in the category. And what if things don't work out and you're low in another category? Now you're already behind and you're just chasing. So maybe the draft goes along and you find yourself real low in steals. And if it's a trading league, sure, you know you could always trade for him. But, you know, in the high-stakes leagues, you can't make trades. So you have to take that into account. But in a head-to-head league, especially categories, you can punt. You know, because the goal there is, especially if you have 10 categories, you want to be dominant in 7 to 8. And in that situation, it could be – you don't want to punt on home runs. That's not going to work. I mean, home runs, you know, help in RBIs and runs. And average, two. So the categories that in a head-to-head that you would might punt is – Average, potentially. And I don't think you do it going in. Maybe as the draft goes along, you go, oh, I'm kind of low on average. All right, you know what? Now I'm going to go for the Gallo-type players, uh, the home run hitters with low average, Jay Bruce, guys like that. Maybe it's stolen bases. You know, the stolen bases get overvalued early, and you say, you know what? I don't really have much speed. You know what? I'm not going to pay for it. Let others overpay. Because a guy like, you know, Malik Smith and that head-to-head, it's just not as good. You know, and Roto, more value. So maybe steals, you punt. On the pitching side, it could be saves. Uh, It could be, you know, maybe you, depending on the league rules, you know, you load up on relief pitchers that usually will keep your ERA and whip low for the week. It's going to hurt you in wins. So there's a lot of different ways to attack it and a lot of different strategies. But I do think in the head-to-head category leagues, and I know a lot of you guys play in that format. Uh, you can do that for sure. There's also the points leagues. That's a little bit different, and it all depends on the league rules. I played in points leagues for many years. I didn't last year, and I've had success. You just got to know the league rules there. Some leagues, it's minus one for a K. So for that, I kind of like to you know, know the rules, kind of plug it in, and then figure out and go from there. But there's a, a lot of different ways that you can attack it. But I do think you can punt in head-to-head category leagues. And if you have any specific questions, you could always ask them on the message boards and forums on scoutfantasysports.com. But your roster construction is very important, and that's kind of what I look at here. And I think 
Gallo was a good fit for this team. There might have been other teams where Gallo wasn't a good fit, where if you had a bunch of, maybe you had a 240 hitter already, maybe a 250 guy, you don't have any 300 hitters, and then you put Gallo in that, you're sinking your batting average. You're just basically conceding that you're probably middle of the pack. So I think that's what you want to take a look at here from these drafts. Number one is look and see, okay, where are players going? What's the market value? And a lot of this is going to change, too. Because uh, we're only in January right now. So we still have many free agents that haven't signed. We know that. That's going to change things. And as I mentioned, you kind of have to sort by ADP like over the last week once these players sign. So uh, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Real quick, I'll go over my thoughts here tonight on the NBA DFS slate. Of course, we discussed it in depth with uh, with uh, Chris Rose from ScoutDFS.com in the first hour. We got a four-game slate, and uh, we got a lot of news out already. Jeff Teague will not play. So Derek Rose is going to be popular going up against the Lakers. I do think Jared Bayless is in play as a cheap option. He had a good game the other night. He'll play a lot of backup point guard minutes. So uh, you can take a look at him. We have uh, Damian Lillard will play tonight. There was a question about his hand, but we all know Lillard's not going to sit. This guy's tough. He already said. I think you all know by now when they asked him his status for tonight's game. So he'll play. Phoenix is where we have a lot of value opening up. Rashawn Holmes. He has been ruled out with a foot injury. DeAndre Ayton is still out with his ankle. And TJ Warren is out for Phoenix. For the Pelicans, Etwan Moore will not play. He is getting rest. Nikola Miritich, who just came back from injury, injured his calf again last night. So he is out. So a lot of value opening up. It's only a four-game slate. We are a little worried about a couple blowouts, and one of those is the Warriors-Wizards game. Warriors favored by 10 on the road. And, and that's always the issue here. So, look, any night any of these guys are in play. And I think you probably will get lower ownership on them tonight. Probably don't need to use them in cash, but in a tournament, you're going to get low ownership. Because on a given night, you kind of don't know who's going to go. Clay Thompson's been on fire. I think he's in play. He hit his first 10 threes the other night. I do like DeMarcus Cousins again. I just don't think there's anyone on Washington slowing down. He's 5,800 on DK, 6,400 on FanDuel. Might be tougher on FanDuel if you like some other centers, obviously using one. But on DK, you can use two. Yahoo, you can use two. Uh, so, yeah, Curry Durant always in play. And their salaries have gone down a little bit. Curry's 9,100 on DK, 98 on FanDuel. Durant's 9,500 on FanDuel, 9,000 on DK. For the Wizards, I just I don't like much here. Uh, it's just uh, I worry about them getting blown out. Beal's price is it's too high for me on FanDuel, 9,900. DK... More acceptable at 8,900, but I uh, don't think I'm going to play too much in this game. But if you're you're playing in tournaments and you have multiple lineups, uh, if that game can stay close, and, and even the Warriors can get it done in three quarters, uh, maybe you get those guys at lower ownership, uh, especially on a night like tonight. Pelicans are playing the Thunder. That game you're worried about a blowout to Oklahoma City's favor by 12. Vegas totals 233. A uh, ton of injuries there for the Pelicans. So Drew Holiday, to me, is in play once again. I've been using him quite a bit with Anthony Davis out. He's 8,200 on DK, 9,500 on FanDuel. Uh, Jaleel Okafor, you got to look at again. I mean, the price has risen. You have to make that decision on FanDuel if you want him as your lone center with several good centers on the slate, 5,500, 4,900 on DK. More Probably would use him more on DK. And Julius Randle. He's going to have to take a lot of shots if this game could stay close. 7,800 on DK, 8,900 on FanDuel as his salary has gone up. And But the Thunder, you know, you're looking at Russell Westbrook again. There's enough value that you could fit him in here tonight. Same thing with Paul George, who's just been crushing it. So he should have a, a really good game tonight. So uh, 
Uh, George, I like better in tournaments. He always gets less ownership all the time. We talked about this, and I've been talking about it for weeks. People always go to Westbrook more. I've been playing George a lot more, and you get him at lower ownership at a tougher position, too, usually to fill uh, at the small forward. So uh, George is just less than Westbrook. So I would look at him, and you could take a shot on Grant in tournaments. I'm probably not. Uh, Portland at Phoenix tonight. Uh, Portland is favored by 7.5. Vegas totals 220.5. Definitely uh, like Lillard tonight, uh, 8400 on DK. I mean, it's a good price. A little more pricey on Fandle at 9800 Nurkic is in a really good spot tonight. I know the price has risen. He's 9500 on Fandle, 8000 on DK. He has been crushing, and there's no one here for the Suns to stop him. Uh, I know McCollum had a good game the other night. I usually don't use him much, but he does have a great matchup here tonight. But I really don't look at him much. And then on the Phoenix side, we got a lot of value opening up with uh, Josh Jackson's in play, uh, Dragon Bender's in play. He's 4600 on both sides. Kelly Oubre, you can look at it. So there's some value here for the Suns that you're probably going to need to fit in. Jackson had a big game the other night. I played him, and he was uh, 6% owned, and he helped me have uh, one of my uh, better finishes uh, on one of those teams that night. And then, of course, the final game of the night, the Timberwolves are in L.A. to take on the Lakers. That game, one and a half uh, spread, Minnesota favored. Vegas total 230. A lot here for the T-Wolves. Derrick Rose, he's going to be popular tonight. Jeff Teague is out. Uh, he's 6,500 on DK, 66 on, on FanDuel, current Anthony Towns. Uh, he's pricey, but he's in play. Jared Bayless, as I mentioned. Chris said Chris Rose said he liked Andrew Wiggins as a GPP. I hardly play him. I played him the other night. He burned me. I just don't like playing him. He doesn't do much. And, of course, on the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma's in play. Caldwell Pope. Uh, looks like Ray John Rondo's going to return, so you could take a look at him as well. If he's out, then Josh Hart would get a step up. So that's the slate for tonight, four games. Should be a fun one as always. And remember, you can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Use the promo code BAT50. Get 50% off your first two months. We also have you covered DFS. Hoops 50 gets you 50% off your first month of NBA DFS. That wraps it up here. I'll be back Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.